Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is brought to you by Bridgeway Community Church. It's Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. I'm Dave Heiliger filling in for Dr. Day. And today we're asking big questions about the best way to make big change in this world. Let's go. Live from our nation's capital, welcome to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. An expert on race, religion, and relationships, Dr. Anderson wants to talk to you. Our phone lines are now open. 888-432-7434. And now, please welcome Dr. David Anderson, your bridge-building voice in the nation's capital. Well, hello, hello, everybody out there. If you know Dr. Anderson's voice... Well, you know that this isn't it. Hey, this is Dave Heiliger filling in for Dr. Anderson today. I'm the director of Gracism Global, an organization that Dr. Anderson leads that uh, really does a lot of work to um, help leaders, individuals, organizations increase their capacity to build bridges across the deepest divides of color, class, and culture. Hey, well, it's Wisdom Wednesday here on Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. And even though Doc is out, and by the way, Doc, we send you a big old shout out to you wherever you are in the world. Uh, I just want to say thanks for joining us on Wisdom Wednesday. And we've got a topic today that I think uh, you've got some thoughts about. So uh, this is live radio call in talk. So you can call us at 888-432-7434. And you're welcome to uh, join the conversation here as we join us uh, as you join us on this Wisdom Wednesday um, you know, all throughout the summer, I'm uh, hosting this series called Uncomfortable Truths, where we're wrestling with all sorts of things that are just unsettling realities in this world that we're trying to make sense of, we're trying to make changes in. And I don't know if things are changing around you or things are changing in you, and you're just trying to make sense and make changes. And we want to set a table of conversation to talk about it so that you can help build these these deep divides bridge these deep divides as well. So uh, this Wisdom Wednesday, we are getting the chance to sit down with a global peace builder to talk about some of the large-scale movements that we see happening around the world. You know, when people want change, sometimes that can come out as protests and uprisings and demonstrations in the streets. And maybe you've had some trouble trying to make sense of that, trying to understand how these kind of demonstrations can actually help accomplish the goals of making things better. Hey, if you're asking those kind of questions today, maybe we can ask this question together. Do protests and uprisings really make the world more peaceful? Do they? I mean, uh, what do you think? Is it helping the cause or hurting the cause? So uh, we want you to call in and join the conversation. 888-432-7434. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a special guest that I can't wait to introduce you to. And if you're watching online uh, on our Facebook or YouTube pages, you probably already see his uh, wonderful face there. And I'll introduce him in just a second. You can find us online at uh, at Anderson Speaks on Facebook and YouTube. 
or you can you might be listening to us on WAVA 105.1 FM here in the nation's capital. Whether you're listening from your car, your desk at work, whether you are at home or wherever you are, we are glad that you have joined us. You can find me uh, on Instagram at David Heiliger. That's H-E-I-L-I-G-E-R, David Heiliger. And you can find all of our Gracism materials at Gracism Global and online, gracismglobal.com. Hey, I'm going to pray for our show, and we'll start opening up this conversation as we spend the next hour together. Let's pray. Lord, you are good to us. And we know that by the way you take care of us, the way you're faithful, and the way that as all these things are changing in our world, we can be confident that you are staying the same. So we pray you'll guide this show and bless all the folks out there that are listening, that they might be safe and be engaged with what you have us all to learn today. In Christ's name, amen. Well, today our guest is Dr. Carl Stauffer. Dr. Carl Stauffer is the senior expert on reconciliation at the United States Institute of Peace. Dr. Stauffer has 32 years of experience in 40 countries as both a peace-building practitioner and as an academic. Prior to his current role, he served as the associate uh, as an associate professor at the Center for Justice and Peacebuilding at Eastern Mennonite University, my alma mater there. And Carl's global peacebuilding work actually began in South Africa in the mid-90s throughout the fall of apartheid and subsequent truth and reconciliation work. He served 16 years living in South Africa, working in 20 different African countries, where he gained the experience in war-to-peace reconstruction, including peace accords, truth commissions, collective trauma recovery, and ex-combatant reintegration. In, his, in addition to his global peacebuilding work here stateside, Dr. Stauffer has been active in ministry in many multicultural church plants. Uh, married to Carolyn for 38 years, he has two adult children, loves to worship, sing, dance, dabble in the arts, and ride his motorcycle. Welcome to the show, Dr. Stauffer. Wonderful. It's great to be here. Thanks, David. Hey, I wish you would have done something with your life. My goodness. What have you just been sitting around, <laughs> twiddling your thumbs? You have had an extensive career around the world right in the middle of conflict. Can you tell us a little bit about your current role there at the United States Institute of Peace? Sure. So I took this role on two years ago. I was thrilled to see USIP for the first time put aside a full-time position for reconciliation. And when I read that, that job description, I said, hmm, you know, sounds a little bit cheesy, but it felt like it was written for me. Mm -hmm. Showed it to my wife, kids. They were like, yeah, I think that's yours, Dad. So all in all, long story short, I got into that position. It's been a real joy to be here at USIP now over two years. Joined them in March 2021. The job itself is a practical, um, it's our practice arm in USIP. So we work across all of our country and regional uh, representations here at USIP. We're sort of a cross-cutting team, the, and I work with three other um, professionals who have dialogue experience, mediation experience, and negotiation and ceasefire experience. All together with reconciliation, we call that inclusive peace processes. And so we move around the world. So for instance, I have a file in Colombia. Many people might know that there's a, there's a transition, a peace process in Colombia. Uh, I work there. I work in the Philippines, in Southeast Asia, where there's been a um, peace agreement for a long-standing resistance movement in the South, Mindanao, the Bangsamora Autonomous Region, working there in the implementation of peace. I work in Vietnam. Um, I work in Cameroon. 
West Africa. So we're dotted all over. Uh, we go where we're invited. We go where we already have folks on the ground doing good work. And we go where we can um, walk alongside and accompany um, those who are trying to work out this idea of sustained peace wow. Sus and reconciliation. Sustained peace and reconciliation. It sounds like there's no lack for work around the world of conflict and uh, places that really need to work through not just a time of making peace or wishing for peace or hoping for peace, but what you call peace building. You know, it's it's step by step. They're peace processes to take a, a country or a society or a community from a place of a very complex conflict to a place where people are living and thriving and flourishing as uh, integrated um multi-faceted uh, community. Now, when you go into a, a situation, are you primarily working with top-level leaders, or are you working you know, from the top down, or are you working with uh, folks in the communities uh, really helping them figure out how do they create peace from the bottom up? So one of the beautiful things about USIP, when it was envisioned and um, put into law and came, it was launched um, in 1984, signed into law by um, President Ronald Reagan at the time, the architects of this legislation imagined that our main mandate, our, our mandate is to bring peace and to reduce violence. And although we're funded by Congress and we are a public institution, it, we also have been given a certain amount of autonomy and um, independence to be able to explore peace processes with a flexible agenda, which means we don't have to necessarily represent uh, whoever's in the White House in all things. Instead, we look for how can we promote peace, obviously, for the, we believe, for the betterment of U uh, the U.S. and U.S. foreign policy and U.S. foreign policy abroad. What that means is we have the opportunity to speak with armed actors, civil society, women, youth, religious leaders, and the governments and authorities in power. And so we do, we do all of that. We try to keep, we try to build relationship and trust at all of those levels, wherever there may be entry, uh, so that we can inch forward. And often it's very incremental uh, from violence to the peace process. We have to think in years, mm -hmm. not days or weeks or months. We have to think in years. And that incremental, very slow moving process is something that uh, is so difficult for all parties involved when they want change right now and right here, and sure. it affects their everyday life, but um, very rarely does immediate change happen. And so your work working with those top-level government leaders as well as the community members, people who hold no official power, um, kind of all works together to take one step at a time moving forward. Hey, well, when we come back to uh, talk more with Dr. Stauffer, you can join the conversation, 888-432-7434. Does your church have legal challenges? McCullum & Associates has experience with pastor church relations, administration and organizational issues, church liability and risk management, and real estate matters. This firm understands the legal aspects of the problems, as well as the spiritual implications of those same problems inside and outside the court. Call McCollum & Associates today at 301-864-6070. That's 301-864-6070.
Anderson. Hi, Mr. Jerry. How are you? I'm well, Dr. Anderson. How are you? Oh, I'm alive and grateful. Thank you for hanging out with me. I appreciate you having um, Andrew Altman on uh -huh. last week, I, was, I believe it was, uh, because we made a decision, and he, he provided that last piece about waterproofing right. that I wasn't aware of. They came out. Okay. They said they would be done in two days. Yeah. They were. Okay. It was a great experience. Great. And this, we had just purchased our forever home in January of 2023, to God be the glory. Mm, amen. Um, and now we've taken care of a big item on our punch list. Okay. Uh, that we got from the, the home inspection. I'm so grateful that thank you, you called to thank me. I'm going to pass it on to him as well. I love when I hear from a listener who says, we used one of your advertisers, and they did what they said they were going to do, and that's what Best Buy Waterproofing is all about. And I hope people will go to bestbuywaterproofing.com so they can be happy customers like you. Thank you so much, Jerry. Welcome back to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. I'm Dave Heiliger filling in for Dr. Anderson as he's traveling today. And I am so glad to be joining you on this Wisdom Wednesday where we're talking about the wisdom of peace building, but really zoning in on this, uh, this question that we have uh, about protests and uprisings. Do they, do they really make the world more peaceful? I mean, when we're really looking to see a community or a country work through some difficult conflict challenges, what helps us make it better because a lot of times what we see out of there on the news and uh on our streets is um when when a community wants change sometimes that expresses itself in a protest or an uprising or something out in the street some kind of demonstration um oftentimes those can turn violent or those can turn uh what what seems to be unsafe and so we're sitting today with the senior expert on reconciliation at the United States Institute, Institute of Peace, Dr. Carl Stauffer, who's helping us talk through this. Uh, Dr. Stauffer, thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure, Dave. Great yeah. to be here. Hey, well, this is the question. So, uh, you know, all throughout the last, I think, probably 15 years, you know, maybe starting with the Arab Spring, uh, where it hit my radar of things happening in northern Africa and the Middle East of um, governments being overthrown because of uprisings. And then all throughout the, the 2000 teens, we saw things here in the States with uh, racial uprisings and people protesting police violence. But it didn't stop there. I mean, if you, if you go online looking, about, looking for protests around the world, whether it's Kenya or um, Peru or um, Afghanistan, France, you know, Paris, France, protests are still happening all around the world, and we're trying to make sense of it. Can you share a little bit of your thoughts on this? Do protests and uprisings like that really help make things more peaceful? Because I got to tell you, Dr. Stoffer, when I look at them on the news it, or see them in the streets right here in Baltimore, you know, uh, it doesn't look like it's making things better. I understand what you're saying, and I want to jump in. This is a passionate um, area for me because I've been in this peace-building field long enough to know that what violence does. And we've got to find alternatives. And I think 
what we see in peace building, uh, what we see in protests, nonviolent protests, is one of the best alternatives for critical mass of people to make their voices known. Now, let me back up a little bit here and say a few things about it. When people go to the street, you better be pretty sure they have a grievance. Mm. Yes, there's going to a real grievance, a genuine grievance, because they don't just do that for the fun of it. They don't just leave their job. They don't just risk their lives and get out on the streets and make a lot of noise because for the fun of it. There are those who will try to take advantage of that process. Some, and some people who try to stir up, stir up yeah, conflict. Yeah, and they want to benefit from it in some way. They wanna, they're going to try to push and encourage looting, for instance, or whatever, for their own gain. But if we can stay disciplined, you know, nonviolent strategic action all over the world, I've seen it, I've worked with it, I've worked in it, is one of the best ways, provided it doesn't go violent, for us to really see structural change. There's three things I'm going to say. There's really a grievance when people hit the streets. You can be pretty sure of that. And what happens with that is, I mean, in other words, you're saying you're seeing the protests happening all over the world. They're sort of moving in the same level at which authoritarian uh, leadership and governments are also making, are sort of rearing their head right now all over the world. And I think that's not by coincidence. Mm. I think that's people saying, hey, when we feel out of control, and yet there are some powerful forces that are controlling our lives in ways that are not um, life-giving, mm -hmm. then they go to the streets, and we need to take that seriously. So you're attached. Nonviolence is as much of a human condition as violence was. And so we can go back in history and begin to start tracking it that way. So you're attaching the rise in protest to a rise in authoritarian uh, leadership. It's a chicken and egg. We don't know. The authoritarian leadership might be the rise, and the protests are responding to that. It seems like now we don't. It's back and forth. Sure. And so but, then um, the escalation then just pours fuel onto the fire on both sides. Sure. Sure. Because so, uh, maybe the the fear that the constituents would have that more of these uprisings would happen, they might gravitate toward a leader who can say, I can crush it, you know, I can smack it down, I can put them absolutely. in their place. So what we need to differentiate about is, is a thin piece and a thick piece. What do I mean by that? A thin piece is also considered the negative piece. No one's shooting each other, so we're at peace. Mm -hmm. That's what a thin piece is, a thin negative piece. But a thick piece is, no, we're not just interested in the gun stopping. We're interested in building our institutions, structures, and relationships that will keep the violence from coming back. Mm -hmm. And that's much deeper work. Yeah. That's where reconciliation comes in, and it's deep, it's messy, and it's hard. It's not simple. And so often when we hear people say, mm, the protests are just making things worse, they may be speaking from the point of thin peace mm -hmm. and not thick peace. So my first point is the grievance. We've got to take the grievance seriously. The second point is when people go to the streets, it's usually because that's the only power they have now. They've tried other processes, legislative or um, judicial or you know other ways to petition or get the political powers that be or their governance structures to serve them, which, by the way, is what government's supposed to do. The people do not serve the government. The government should be serving the people. Right. So when it comes to power, nonviolent strategic action is one of the most effective ways to change 
the power that institutions and structures may have that keep the status. So you're saying if somebody doesn't have a position of power, they would say that, well, the only power I have left is to get together with, you know, the 300, 500,000, 10,000 people around me to to have a, a force of power with our numbers in order to get our voice heard. And so um, we've tried to go through the legislation. We've tried to, you know, submit the the right processes, but none of that has worked. So we're going to have our voices heard no matter what. Sure. Yeah. I mean, let me give you an example. When I go all over the world and teach and train and work at peace building, there's invariably someone who raises their hand and says, hey, what you're talking about, restorative justice, peace building, reconciliation, all sounds really great. It doesn't work in genocide. Hmm. It doesn't work in civil war. It doesn't work when people are, are outside my door, banging it down, threatening to kill me. And that's exactly right. It doesn't. And don't even try it. It's, a, it's those things at that point. What is in your power at that point is to group together as a mass, a critical mass of people to make your voice known. And we do know that it's been effective. Of course, we know about Dr. Martin Luther King, but it was incredible work. In fact, I shouldn't say, of course, we need to study. Every generation needs to study that civil rights movement and understand what, the discipline that went into that to bring the change that happened. And that you're Gandhi, saying the discipline is in making sure it stays nonviolent or uh, an aspect of the discipline is what you would say. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Gandhi, Gandhi literally chased the British colonizers off the continent. Mm -hmm. I mean, off his, off his, his territory. And um, that was through effective nonviolent work. And it wasn't just protests and pickets, which is what most people think about. It's very strategic. And we know this from Martin Luther King. He also borrowed from Gandhi on that. They, they, they do economic boycotts. They provide parallel processes that actually undercut the economy that keeps the oppressive powers in, in line. And they do social protests like the counters where you know they were integrating the, uh, the, the segregated counters, the lunch counters, or, or bus, the bus rides after, after Rosa Parks example. These are all creative efforts at saying, we wanna change the system. We've tried what we can, and now we need to do something that gets your attention a little bit more carefully. And so, and, so, so you have uh, grievance. You really understanding the grievance. It's it's then recognizing that this is the only power that they, that they have. And what's that last piece? The last piece is nonviolent strategic action keeps you in the moral high ground. Hmm. In other words, violence will show its ugly head. It just does. It 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 not only reproduces itself, but it will continually show how shameful and terrible and horrific it is and it gets exposed. Nonviolent strategic action is one of the ways to contrast that violence, hmm. which is why violent institutions and systems work very hard to systematically break apart these sort of nonviolent protests and try to lure them into violence because once violence is enacted upon from both sides, then everyone um, justifies their violent action. Sure, then you can discredit, discredit the uprising because they're just as bad as the leaders are, you know? And exactly. so, so if they're violent exactly. too, then you can write off their, uh, their grievance. And so uh, and we know over and over again, governments uh, that have been threatened by these protests sending in their own um, military or security forces dressed as civilians who stir the violence up, foment the violence. This mm -hmm. is a key stat, uh, strategic 
uh, effort often in well, these that's, situations. That's one thing that we saw when we were in Ferguson, Missouri, uh, right after the uh, Michael Brown shooting, uh, and there were the uprisings happening there in 2014. Uh, sitting around the table in those uh, mediation sessions, it was very apparent that not everybody was there from Ferguson. There were agitators from other places that were looking to stir things up, whether they were, you know, uh, anti-government folks or there are just people that nobody kind of knew where they came from. And uh, there's mm -hmm. a lot of suspicion on on what their their intentions and origins were. And so uh, that discrediting of the movement because of violence is very real. And you never know who are the ones there stirring up the violence. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, it's uh, as we're talking about this, there are probably some people listening who they hear what you're saying and they look at the protests and they still say, but I don't know if this is making things better you know when when the protests ends you got um store owners who had nothing to do with it that their their stores were looted um and they see people hurt they see people that they trust um are are now the enemy so if you're out there and you want to join the conversation by all means do so and we'll be right back after the break Hun, we need to stop putting off getting life insurance. I know. It's just been so busy, and I'm sure the cost is out of our budget. Well, Jen told me that they got a $500,000 term life insurance policy from Ethos for less than $23 a month. All online, with no complicated forms, and no medical exam. All they had to do was answer a few health questions. Wait, no medical exam and all online? I know, right? It's not easy to think about, but if something happened to you, James and I would be... Okay. I get it. Let's get a quote from Ethos right now. Wow, you were right. There's no medical exam. And Ethos makes the whole online process fast and easy. And look at these rates and coverage options. It's great protection and totally fits our budget. Ethos. They've removed all the barriers from getting coverage. Go to checkethos.com to get your free online quote. That's checkethos.com. Quote based on a healthy, non-smoking 30-year-old male with a 20-year term policy. Rates may vary. It's contagious, it's viral, and it's threatening to bring your family closer than ever before. <laughs> it's throwing even the most stable couples off balance. Rebellious teens are no match for its power. It's addictive, disarming, and downright obnoxious. It's free, it's beautiful, and it's good for you. Make every day count with laughter. Get tips to keep you laughing with your family at the Make Every Day Count Facebook page at facebook.com slash make every day count. WAVA-FM is heard on HD Radio at 105.1 FM HD1 or on iHeart. Tune in and now on Radio.com. Hey, this is Norm, Service Manager at A-Action Home Services. For all your electric, plumbing, and heating needs, call 703-922-1900 so you too can say, problem solved. Listen to your favorite Christian programs anytime on the OnePlace app. Download and listen offline. Stream to your car or automated home device. Download OnePlace at Google Play or the iTunes App Store. The recent bank failures are serving as a warning about how fragile our banking system really is. As millions of Americans panic, do you know what central banks are doing? Well, they're actually buying up gold at record levels. They're relying on it as a safe haven during these difficult times. That's how confident they are in the dollar. Hi, I'm Lance Wallnow, Christian author and evangelical leader to millions of people just like you. 
We're all Americans who want to protect our family's savings no matter what. I tell people the best option is to diversify their 401k or IRA into physical gold or silver with the help of Birch Gold Group. To see how it works, just text the word FAITH to the number 989898 to get a free information kit on gold IRAs. Look, there's no strings attached. It's not going to hurt you to take action now. So take the first step today and educate yourself. Get your free info kit when you text FAITH to 989898 right now. And I pray you and your family are greatly blessed. Hey, 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 welcome back to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. I'm Dave Heiliger filling in for Dr. Anderson as he's out traveling today. And here we are halfway through our show. And whether you're joining us as you're getting off work there in your rush hour traffic, I'm just glad you're tuning in to hang with us. So those of you at home, those of you in your car, those of you wherever you are, uh, here we are on Wisdom Wednesday. And today we're talking about peace building, but through the lens of like really asking this question, do protests and uprisings really make the world more peaceful? We see the destruction or the, the chaos of it, and we think, man, is this really helping the cause? We've seen it happen all over the world, even here in possibly our hometowns, and uh, we've got questions. So we're joined by our guest today, Dr. Carl Stoffer, who is the Senior Expert of Reconciliation at the United, Stu- United States Institute of Peace. And quite a title there, Dr. Stoffer, the Senior Expert of Reconciliation. Uh, pro- uh, do a lot of work around the world with peace building. So yeah, we can we can drop the senior expert. That's fine. Let's just go to the subject matter. Hey, that's that's <laughs> why you're here, Doc. And I can't wait for people to hear a little bit more of your thoughts and wisdom on this topic. And I want to bring up a topic. And uh, maybe you uh, out there listening have heard of what ha- has been happening in the news today, uh, yesterday. It's really brought to the surface uh jason aldean any country music listener fans out there uh jason aldean fans he's one of the biggest country stars of u.s country music and recently he's been widely criticized for a new song and video uh his song is try that in a small town and this music video uh addresses issues of violence and uh the music video has Images of protests, uh, harking back, reminding a lot of people to the uh, Black Lives Matter protests. And uh, within the lyrics saying, hey, you might be able to get uh, get away with that at a a big city. But if you try that in a small town, you better watch out. We're going to get you. And uh, um, so that that kind of sentiment of we're going to squash these protests, uh, almost threatening violence against police protesters uh is that is that what you all saw when you saw that video maybe you want to call in and talk to us about that 888-432-7434 and uh just asking the question dr stoffer um is the backlash that we see against these types of protests uh is is it justified? I mean, for somebody in a small town, for somebody who's not in these big cities to look at all that and say, you know, you you can't get away with that kind of uprising and violence. We're, we're not going to take it where we are. How do we understand their perspective as well? 
Well, I think, you know, listen, we have to talk about the elephant in the room, and that is violence. Also, we're talking about nonviolent protests, but violence is everywhere. We're steeped in it. We have eaten it and breathed it, and we have grown in it. We have been socialized in violence. And I'm not just talking about overt violence, like physical fights or, or gun, gun wounding, etc. I'm talking about uh, a kind of violence that keeps certain people um, from from being able to do certain things in their lives, a structural, what we call structural violence, a violence that at times keeps some people in poverty, et cetera, et cetera. We have to think about that violence. And we have to, first of all, understand that violence. We need to be able to speak the language of that violence before we can talk about nonviolence, non this, and nonviolence. This is not an, a, this is a very gritty conversation. This is not something that neither side, violence or nonviolence, none of them are the weak. Uh, alternative. Those are both responding to grievances. They're both responding to an impulse in the human instinct to get justice. And, and we've got to figure out how do we hold all that energy and that impulse in a way and channel it in a way that moves us towards a powerful peace. So I don't think it's about threatening. I mean, we're still back to the same thing then violence begets violence violence will give violence if if that's what the if that's the message we're sending out there that hey not here we'll we'll, we'll squash you there is no such thing as squashing and i think history has told us because squashing will may last for a little while but someone else will pick up mm. and say hey we were squashed mm. and they'll start to fight again mm. and that's, so that's this really thing, good this thing so gives birth to this you know violence i know we use it glibly gives birth to violence but it is the elephant in the room and we don't know what to do with it. The Pentagon doesn't know what to do with it all the way down to the folks on the streets. And so what you're gangs, saying is that, that if you think you're squashing the issue by uh, just silencing the protest, all you're doing is delaying it. And so uh, it might go underground beneath the surface for a little while. Um, but uh, responding to an uprising or responding to a protest by squashing it with violence really just silences it for a minute. So then, uh, as, as people are listening, 888-432-7434, maybe you relate a little bit more to Jason Aldean and his song, and you grew up in a small town, and you recognize maybe some of those same fears or same feelings that he's expressing in this that you want to make sure we hear about in this. But, Dr. Stoffer, when we're talking about this, there's work that comes after the protests, right? That's right. So it's not like the protest creates the change and then everything is good. It's like the protest can spark change or it can be a catalyst to uh, opening the eyes or, or moving the hand of the authorities. But what kind of necessary work is there after the protests are over? You're exactly right. That's where the real work happens. The protest is to try to get the attention uh, of folks to say we're serious about whatever grievance we're carrying, then we need to come together. Protests on their own really don't change anything. Protests they, on their own really don't change anything. That's probably something difficult for some people to hear out there who sure. feel like they sacrificed a lot to get out there and, and have their voice heard. You know, maybe if I get out there and just let people know, then things will change. But you're saying it's not quite enough. Hey, we're going to head to break. And we'll be back to continue this conversation with Dr. Carl Stoffer, 888-43-BRIDGE. Love to hear from you.
there's never been a more perfect time to go solar. Homeowners in Maryland, D.C., and Virginia are saving hundreds on their utility bills and getting paid for the energy they produce through their solar panels. Homeowners are also now eligible for a tax credit of 30% when switching to solar energy. Why pay the utility company every month for the energy you consume when you can own your own energy and get paid for it instead? If you've been thinking about going solar, call or text my trusted solar guy. His name's Michael. And here's his number. Are you ready? 202-618-8929. You worried that your solar panels won't look good on your old roof? No problem. They'll take care of a new roof for you as well. Zero money down. Give them a call right now. The first 10 callers today to get on the schedule for a consultation will get a free $500 gift card. So start saving money on your energy and get paid by going solar for zero down with Michael. His number again is 202-618-8929. Get your solar done. talk with Dr. David Anderson? You can now catch Dr. Anderson's half-hour radio highlight show on Saturdays at 3 p.m. right here on WAVA 105.1. You'll enjoy recent conversations he's had with callers to this show. Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson, Weekend Edition, Saturday, 3 p.m. on WAVA. Check it out. For more information about Dr. Anderson, visit andersonspeaks.com. Welcome back to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. For more information about this program or for resources from Dr. Anderson, please visit andersonspeaks.com. To watch on Facebook Live or to view past episodes, visit Dr. Anderson's public figure Facebook page. Just search Dr. David Anderson and click like. You can also watch live on YouTube. Just search for Anderson Speaks, all one word, and make sure to subscribe. Join our text community and receive a free weekly textpiration from Dr. Anderson. Just text the word INSPIRE to 97000. That's I-N-S-P-I-R-E to 97000. And now, back to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. I'm Dave Heiliger filling in for Dr. Anderson as he's doing some travel. And I just wanted to say thank you to him for giving us this platform to talk about this issue of uprisings and protests and trying to make sense of how they really work to build toward peace. I work with Dr. Anderson with Gracism Global. And uh, what we do is we help leaders and individuals and organizations bridge the deepest divides of color, class, and culture. You can find out about our certifications and trainings at gracismglobal.com, where you can also find a link to uh, purchase the new audiobook version of Gracism, The Art of Inclusion. It's Dr. Anderson's flagship book that he wrote back in 2007 that we recently revised and updated, made sure that it was speaking to the issues of today, and you won't want to miss it. So you can download the new audiobook version exclusively on Audible. You will be blessed. Well, today we're talking about protests and uprisings, and we're talking about how they might build toward peace. We've got our special guest, 
Dr. Carl Stoffer, who works at the United States Institute of Peace as the senior expert of reconciliation there. And he's helping us decode and understand how uprisings that we see that seem chaotic can actually be the catalyst to making the change that we need to see in the world. And uh, we were even talking about Jason Aldean's new song, where he's one of the biggest country music stars, who's been criticized for this new video that he has out, Try That in a Small Town. Have you seen that one, folks out there? Have you seen this video that uh, seems to be, and you can judge for yourself, uh, expressing some uh, thoughts that we might have some violence toward any kind of protesters. If you think you're going to have an uprising in our town, nope, don't do it. Uh, maybe it's even some racial overtones in what he's saying, too. He says no. Uh, you can judge for yourself as you take a look at the video. Maybe you even want to call in and tell us what you think of it. 888-432-7434. Country Music uh, Television has pulled it. CMT has pulled it from their broadcasts. Uh, do you think it should be pulled? What do you think? Hey, well, Dr. Stoffer, we were just talking about how the the desire to see change might be a, the, the protester uprising might be a catalyst for that change, but there's work to be done afterwards. Can you keep kind of going down that line and share what are some of those steps after the protests are over that maybe somebody who is involved in one of those protests can actively take a part in continuing that movement for change? Absolutely. So our protests are for something. And the protest by itself, as I said already, is not going to change make the change we want. We've got to be protesting towards something. What is it that we're protesting towards? We're protesting to get our voice into the public square and all the parties involved on all sides need to at some point come around the table and start a conversation. Dialogue is critical. With that dialogue, we can begin to think about what are the compromises? What are the agreements? What are the social um, changes and the political and, and, and spiritual changes that we need to see happen in order for us to live together without harming each other. And in that process, we need to think also about healing. We need to think about what does it mean to heal after these rifts? What, is it, what does it mean to, to forgive? What does it mean to reconcile? What does it mean to say, hey, we're willing to continue for the long haul, but first, the human dignity of everyone needs to be acknowledged. And that happens through dialogue processes, through peace talks, through negotiations but it, and mediations. Um, but it also happens in the healing. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, justice is a human need. It's a human desire. And um, justice does not have to be violent. Mm -hmm. Justice means holding those who have harmed accountable. And in that accountability, we can also heal. Mm -hmm. Really, restorative justice is bringing accountability and healing together. And I think that's our goal. The okay. protest is trying to say, let's make this world we live in together, this space that we share together, a little bit more humane. And so those, those actions that people can take uh, moving toward justice, which doesn't end at just justice, or it's going then toward healing and then toward a peaceful existence together. Um, we have somebody on, online who says uh, protesting brings issues to the forefront, but there has to be practical action steps to be taken so that the protest uh, can go to the tables where decisions are made. But Dr. Stoffer, what, how can the everyday person get to that table? 
because they still seem like protected spaces, exclusive exclusive spaces that the everyday person who might have been on the streets in the protest still doesn't have access to. That's true. We have to be aware of leadership all the time and make sure that representative leadership is involved. Not everyone's going to be able to get into those spaces. There has to be a certain process. But I think um, we're also asking for a new process. The protest is saying business as usual, the status quo as usual, is no longer acceptable. We need more representation. We need more public participation. We need to be able to be part of the process of influencing how we are governed as people. Yeah. Uh, that's not something that should be made by a few small individuals uh, in a closed room when it involves the whole public. And so there are many creative ways in any democracy that we have not thought of, we have not used well, to bring people into the process in a more significant way. It takes more time, yeah. it takes more energy, and it takes more creativity. Well, but that's precisely the space that needs to open up and why protests can often open up that space. And you're saying representation, and there are certain people groups in our country that have not been represented at those highest levels of uh, authority and decision-making. You know, here we are, two white guys sitting around talking about uh, leadership and protests, and, uh, you know, people that look like us are always at the table, uh, Dr. Stauffer, um, and what you're saying is sometimes these protests can make it so uncomfortable for those in power that they say, we can no longer ignore the voices or push out the voices of people who are black or brown or um, people who are of ethnic minorities or people of social minority status. Um, but now, okay, welcome to the table. You know, uh, you, you've got our, our ear. So thanks for our uh, people Absolutely. online, Ms. Janet, to uh, uh, yep. reveal that and bring that to our, to our attention. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So uh, as we're continuing this conversation, uh, you have had a lot of work uh, that you've been doing, not just in the govern government sphere, but also in church work and working toward multiracial and multiethnic church, toward multiethnic church movements. Uh, where does the church, if I could uh, maybe begin to, to open up this part of the conversation, where does Absolutely. the church um, have a place and a voice in this as well? Um, I've studied... Uh, the scriptures and tried to read the scriptures through a peace-building lens and a nonviolence and, and trauma healing and, and all of these areas that we've been talking about. And I think we underestimate the role that civil disobedience has played all the way through the story of scripture. Think of the prophet Elisha. We know that story well, where the army of the Armenians was around him, the Arameans, I mean, was around him. He prayed. They were blinded. He took them into Samaria, into the king's court. Then God, he prayed again. God opened their eyes. The king said, can I kill them all? Normal violence response. And Elisha said, no, feed them. Give them a king's banquet all right. and hey, send them home. And the I'm going to I'm I'm really have you take a pause right point. there. You can finish that story in a minute. We'll be right back. This is an important notice to all U.S. taxpayers. The IRS is giving away billions of dollars in tax savings through a federal program called the Fresh Start Initiative to aid delinquent taxpayers. This initiative was established for anyone facing financial hardship and unable to pay their back taxes. Qualifying and enrolling in this program will stop all collections, settle your delinquent tax problem, and even reduce what you owe by thousands of dollars. Call the hotline at People's Tax Relief to see if you qualify and get this free information 
information by dialing 800-548-6839. If you have unfiled tax returns or cannot afford to pay your personal or business back taxes, you can now get the help you need. One simple phone call can resolve your tax problem and save you thousands of dollars. To see if you qualify and to get this important free information, call 800-548-6839. How do I know that I'm abiding in Christ so that I don't lose that joy, I don't lose that peace, I don't lose that contentment, that real happiness that comes from abiding in Him? Dr. Michael Youssef. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 5, He said, if you stick to me, just like a branch sticks to a vine, you will bear much fruit. That's when you know that you are abiding. And so the question that you need to ask yourself is this, am I fruit-bearing believer or am I drying up on the vine? Am I producing or consuming? Am I dynamic or deadly? Am I a blessing or coasting? Am I giving or taking? Am I enriching or impoverishing? Am I increasing or decreasing? Dig deeper. Listen to Dr. Michael Youssef on Leading the Way or visit ltw.org. Snow white leather and cherry red twine don't make a baseball. It's the core, what's on the inside that counts. A lot of us want to appear unsmudged on the outside. If we look good, then everybody will think we are good. But God looks on the inside. The Bible says all of us have sinned, so our core, our heart, needs to be cleansed. Do you want a new heart and a fresh start? Then call us at 1-888-NEED-HIM. The next time you could use a pick-me-up, head over to Godvine.com for uplifting and inspirational videos that you'll truly love. Join the millions of Christians from around the world who watch and share Godvine videos each day. They know that Godvine videos are specially chosen to bring joy and share the love of God and the wonder of His creations. For the very best Christian videos, visit us today at Godvine.com. Welcome back to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. I'm Dave Heiliger filling in for Dr. Anderson as he's out today. And you've caught us on Wisdom Wednesday, and we're talking about the wisdom of peace building. Really where our conversation is centered today on trying to make sense of protests and uprisings, all these different social movements that seem to create a lot of chaos. Do they really help make things better? And today we are joined by Dr. Carl Stauffer, who works at the United States Institute of Peace, and he's helping us decode this and make some sense of it so that maybe we can have a different approach to engage or uh, support those that are maybe uh, acting in a way that previously we didn't quite understand. But through some clarity, we can uh, help them reach some of the goals maybe that they were looking to reach in the first place. And Dr. Stoffer, you've talked today about really understanding, one, that uh, anytime we see a protest or an uprising, we have to be looking not just to the visible expression of, uh, of outrage, but really look to see what is the grievance that has brought them to the streets. 
You've also said that what we're looking to do is uh, in this is is understand that this is the only power that this people group feel like they have to address the issues at hand. And so what we're seeing is is a last-ditch effort from suffering for so long, and we've seen that in so many different places across the, um, the world, the country. And then understanding that nonviolent protest is the best way to move the hand of an authoritarian government, uh, but it takes a lot. And sometimes it causes more suffering in the meantime but it is a, the outcry of the society to move that hand of leadership. And when we were, uh, just before we signed off, you were beginning to talk about what the church's role in this movement is. We just have a minute or two left here. And I guess as you think about your final thoughts about that, where the church really can uh, have a place in this conversation, what does the everyday churchgoer need to understand about their role in this type of movement? So, as I said before, violence has given us the rules of the game and still does. And when we act nonviolently, what we do is we open up a new space that throws the opponent off balance. So what I like to call change the rules of the game. And when you change the rules of the game, your opponent doesn't know how to respond because they expect a certain response. And a violent system expects a violent response. And when you come with another response, they don't know what to do with it. It actually um, the power has shifted from the one who claims to have the power to the one who's protesting or, um, or, 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 or coming against that power. And so I want us to think about that a little bit. When Jesus taught, turn the other cheek, give the other coat, walk the second mile, those were all, they seem pretty benign to us today in 2023. But in Jesus' time, those were all forms of social resistance. Turning the other cheek was actually, Jesus was encouraging um, servants, uh, those who were indentured, etc., to not be, allow themselves to be treated inhumanely and to actually resist and protest, not resist violently. Mm -hmm. But by turning the other cheek, they were saying, if you're going to hit me on one cheek, you're going to have to hit me on the other. And there was actually a whole a scholarship around that, that, that the, the master used the backhand on. Well, I'm going to have to cut you short there. You're going to have there. to close it down. We're well, so glad this. to join us. I'm going to just pray us out here. Father, thank Jesus. you for the work of peace and for giving us an example of what it means to move the heart of the nation by your spirit. Amen. Father, help your we get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525.